Hello and welcome to the Practical Magic Podcast, a weekly dive into ways in which we can live a calmer, more creative and empowered life on our own terms. I'm Kate Taylor, Creativity and Empowerment Coach, and I'm on a mission to help us live an embodied life full of creative expression through my blended melting pot of goodness I call Practical Magic. Today on the show, I welcome Harriet Starling, who is described as Wanderlust Magazine as the pomp princess who doesn't give a fuck. It's such a pleasure to speak with Starling today. You're going to love this interview. We're talking really about how we craft handmade life and the art of creativity and Starling's journey through music as a language of emotion. So there's some really good stuff in here about the power of silence to rest and enhance creativity, empowering the unknown to fire up that creativity and how we need to create sacred space around it. And actually some really personal stuff here about how Starling's journey with therapy and understanding the full spectrum of emotion has really aided both her creativity and her mental well-being. So as I have said today, I have on the show with me the gorgeous soul who is Starling. Now I'm gonna not gonna do the general introduction to Starling, I want to share some words of which this woman is encompassed, her whole soul, her whole fiber, her whole being. So here they are, pink, melodic, motivator, beauty, soul, umbrellas, satin, dancing, infinite, finite too, creamy, vibrant, promise, etc. I love this, etc. We're all etc. Feel, spin, real, win, bound, tossed, found, lost, fragile, unbreakable, music, poetry, clouds, love, soul, and did we say pink? I mean, what a beautiful way to introduce oneself to the world and the power over word over labels. Welcome to the show, my gorgeous, gorgeous Starling. Can you maybe introduce yourself and tell us a bit more about your story and why you do what you do? Hello, gorgeous. Oh my God, how can I follow that? You, yeah, that was an incredible, <laughs> that was a beautiful delivery. And let me tell you, radio people who have received that as part of the um, press pack have sort of laughed and said, what, why hasn't she said where she's from and how old and, and uh, you know, facts. Um, that we, my manager and I were kind of bored of facts. So thank you for reading that out. <laughs> um, oh, you're so welcome. It's a pleasure. It's emotional as well if you, if you give it as much uh, beauty as you did. Yes, I think the word et cetera sticks out for me. <laughs> um, uh, being an artist is such a, yeah, well, it's such a ride, um, but I wouldn't have it any other way. What do you want me to sort of, do you want me to start with the record? Well, why don't you, yeah, why don't you tell us, let, let's start with now, and then yeah. maybe you can work back to how this all started out, because I know yours, with your music, has been a different journey to what we would classically, and I'm using finger waves, so apologies there, what we would classically understand as a musician's journey. So start with where you're at now. Let's work back and see where we get circle round to. Yeah, uh, yeah fantastic. So there's sort of two 
aspects that have come to mind. So the first, um, what's going on right now, the second, is I'm uh, preparing for the filming next week of my second music video. So it's the second single from this <clears throat> third and final EP, an EP being sort of half an album, it's four songs. And uh, it's called The Soul, hence all those words <laughs> you kindly read out as the bio. And it's the third and final. So I've released The Heart um, two years ago, The Body, a year ago and now the soul and actually Kate it's a complete fluke um but it's the heart body and soul <laughs> mm, I know because I I was looking at that actually when I was just doing some research before our talk in the heart body and soul I mean how beautiful that and was that intentional uh, no no so here's the thing so I've got this um beautiful new new manager who's female as well very very rare in music and um, I said, oh, what do we call this, this new EP? Bloody hell, you know, I don't know what we're going to call it. And she said, well, hang on. The first one was called The Heart and the second one was called The Body. And it was quite literally just because the first one was love songs and the second one, um, you may know the song Larger and stuff like that was all about getting drunk, high, doing crazy things. And I was kind of in that sort of phase of, of my journey. And, um, and she said, what about the soul? And then you've got the heart, body and soul. And actually I went bingo, not only because that kind of um, – make sense in terms of that saying that expression but also because this really is it's the sweetest music I've ever it's still dark um, it will always be dark with me but it's the sweetest most honest um almost sugary EP or, or record I've ever released because I you know you can't separate the artist from the sound you can't separate the artist from what she or he is creating and I've changed so much whether it's through therapy or just growing up a little bit or uh, being in the game a bit longer whatever it reason might be and um and my heart is a bit clearer or a bit more open and it's sort of come through um and and yeah so the soul kind of feel works for the title of this, this I absolutely love that and I love how energy and creativity you know sometimes our heads obviously are the ones going right we need it needs to be this and this is the long-term plan and this is the 10-year focus and blah 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 but actually the creative energy that goes around that is like we find a way back. We find a way back to ourselves and our truest expression. And that's obviously what's happened here, hasn't it? Yeah. And you know, I love that you say that because I hope this isn't a tangent, but the unconscious, um, in my opinion, in terms of my process and how I work, I will come back to this main question, by the way. The unconscious works in such um, curious ways, like like with this heart, body and soul, but also like you take a bath or recently I was in Miami for a couple of, um, a couple of days just uh, in between New York and Nashville, I like just a couple of days off. And I got more creatively done, if you like, than I did of two weeks in London running around and worrying about the next thing. Because, you know, when you take that bath or you, or you lay on a sunbed or whatever the hell it might be, your brain or your soul or whatever you want to call it has a chance to come through in the silence, has a chance to kind of create what you didn't even think was living inside you. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I always talk about how it's the spaces in between, which are the place where the real creation lies, right? We can be in the doing all the time. However, if we don't take that moment of pause of rest of allowing the shadow to really come in to speak for itself to come through in all our senses, that's the creative essence, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Completely. And creativity works in just the most unusual ways and if anybody ever says to me you know I'm not an artist or I'm not creative or say I'm at like a party or something and someone says they're an accountant and they're not creative I always sort of laugh because I'm like well what do you think creative is because if you make a cake or you you know um 
dress your t- table a bit differently each day, then there's a lot of creativity in just the minutiae. So, um, yeah, I think it's just about harnessing that and embracing the beauty of that. Absolutely. And the thing is that we can't not be, you know, it's impossible to not be creative. The, the fact that we have thinking, feeling, souls and, and, and who we are is a very, it's creativity by its very nature, isn't it? Oh, completely. And it's about being flexible and creative even in your relationships and um, sort of not rigid with what you think because of the past, how it shaped you, what you think they're going, what they haven't done or how you behave is the way you behave because it's that and and that's the sort of the path that's written. It's um, creativity is for me. It's it's always uh, beautiful and tricky because basically creativity to me is the unknown. So um, whether that be sex and you don't know how that's going to be, or if you're going to cry, or if it's going to be a crazy emotional journey, or if it's going to be um, you know pretty unemotional or, or, or something less uh, dynamic, or whether that be me creating a song or going to have a conversation with someone I don't know so well. All of that is is creative and to, has an element of uh, a fear if you let it, because you don't know how it's going to go. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to today I don't know how this call is going to go this podcast but that's the beauty if we can live in the shit if you like if we can live in the uh in the unknown in the um in the territory that yeah we don't know what will happen next I think that's where the magic comes certainly for myself yes 100% and I think that's a really good point that you make there that the creativity is in the unknown you know we try and have so much control over everything every facet of our life don't we and you know I do that when I work with my clients and they 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 get really pressurized by not having the answers to everything and actually you know you talk about it's the the journey, not the destination, but it's really difficult sometimes to surrender into that. How do you, how do you find yourself being able to trust and surrender and remind yourself that the the richness is in the unknown, that you don't have to have all the answers? How do you do that? I think it's at first. I think it's really difficult. So I don't want to be the one standing, being like, "Well, I'm a singer and I've got it all sorted out," because I certainly haven't. Um, it's so much easier for me to do the washing up or do an email than it is to write a song or go on stage because um, you know you can do the washing up and it's done, or you can do the email and it's sent, and there's a satisfaction to completion. But when you're writing a song, you don't. You know, we might have eight hours and end up with nothing, or we might have two hours and end up with the most wonderful thing that you don't know unless you step into that zone. So I think the only thing I could pass except for compassion to each and every artist that's listening is um, is discipline. It's discipline that you don't pick up your phone when you're in the studio or when you're, um, what, what, you know, whatever. People don't have to be musicians, but it's important you don't uh, let the distractions of your phone or somebody else's needs or um, a drama that you perhaps go, have going on in your life dominate and 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 take over um because it's so easy take it from me it's so easy to waste time um in in distractions ultimately um rather than sitting there in the unknown and just going you know hands in the air I'm going to do this and and see what happens um so I, it's discipline it's disciplined so I mean I can go into this a bit more but I, I it depends if it's of interest so for instance I have my phone on and off at certain times of the day um because I know that I have potentially free time to create um, being a full-time artist when I have a phone on as with anyone having it on you could have both good and bad news coming in and um, Tim Ferriss talks a lot about this is it's not about time how much time you have it's how much attention you have so although I might have a lot of time 
to potentially creating one day. If my phone's on and I get some terrible news about, I don't know, um, the song being a flop on the radio or something, that's going to affect my mind for the whole day. So what I mean by discipline, I guess, is that you have your practices. And for me, my mental health and my emotional health is everything. So I meditate. I have my phone off at interims. I take classes like ballet and yoga because I need to be in my body and out my head. Um, and I also create environments that are supportive for creativity. So certain people are allowed in the room, certain people, for instance, I would rather not in the space um, and so on and so forth. So um, I don't know if that makes sense, but just being really rigorous with that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I was um, I'm really interested in what you're talking about there in terms of, you know, not giving our time and attention away to something that is outside of ourselves. I was watching a video by Simon Sinek the other day where he was talking about smartphones and the use of smartphones and how much we're giving our power away by simply have, even having them in your hand and your attention and other people's attention is to them, i.e., you know, if you're talking with somebody and you even have it anywhere near you, or you have it on the table when you're eating, or you have it even if you've got it turned upside down, that what you're saying to the other person is that that is more important than the com the communication you're having with that person. Everything is about a distraction there, isn't it? So even in terms of the creativity and giving the creativity, the honor and the sacred space, even having that distraction there is saying, my creativity is not as important as what might be on the other side of this phone. You have to practice. I'm narcissism, just to be clear, but sometimes I mentor, I have the pleasure of mentoring musicians and, and artists and people that want to do sort of the unknown. And, um, and, and I say, get interested in yourself, get interested in yourself. That's your brand. You, you are the brand. And how do you do that? You prioritize you. And again, not, not meaning narcissism, but like the phone, for instance, like, as we're on that topic is a huge distraction, but also family dramas or, or, or relationships that don't serve you. I mean, we could go, well, it depends how long we've got. We could go truly into that, but, but, but a quick summary would just be to really check in on who's supporting you with your bigger dream, you know, um, who's supporting you, who's encouraging you rather than dragging you down with some false drama. Really? Oh, yeah. And I agree. And, and and there's something really beautiful that's coming in this rich conversation, which is about creating sacred space for creativity, isn't there? You know, making sure that that yourself in terms of whatever that means to you, mind, body, soul, whatever that is, is nourished. And you, like you say, it's not about narcissism. It's about self-care and self-love. So making sure that all of the all of the containers are met for you to be able to come into your creativity. And that includes your circle around you. So explain a little bit more about how you do that with family, with your people that you have around you and your almost your team, whether you're, they're your sole team or your work team. How do you do that? Oh, gosh, I mean, God, brilliant question, because um, there's sort of like a long term answer there for me and also a short one. So Give you a quick example. Um, last year, I gave my first talk at um, this thing in Sensitive Universal um, Records, and it was a talk about um, like a panel. So it was a talk for new women, you know, new women, new artists. Sorry, who are women, female artists, and so on. And my auntie called me about an issue we had with um, my brothers. I've got six uh, brothers and sisters, and there was there was sort of a, a lot of um, persistence in her texts and calls. And um, I knew, I kind of knew what it was about. You know, when you know when someone contacts you. I 
said was, um, which I was proud of, and this happened last year, so since then, huge growth. But I just said, I'm about to give my first ever talk or whatever, or, you know, be part of a panel, if you like, be a panelist. Sorry, that's the word. Um, are you um, are you calling me to, to support me or, or is there anything I can, you know, I can do to help or is this going to take me out the zone? Because if it is, um, I'm, I'm not available. I, I'm not available to talk until three three hours or whenever it was that it would be over. And um, and she just replied, oh, no, this isn't going to serve you. So if you're quite clear with people about what you need, it can be easier for them to give it to you rather than like, oh, what's going on? How can I be there, for, you know, for my auntie, for my brother, whoever the thing might be? And it's not that I'm not there for my family, but it's that there must be sacred time when like, you know, I'm about to go on stage to hundreds of people or I'm about to, you know, give a talk. And I had never done that before, you know? So there needs to be an element of streamlined focus. I think in terms of sacred space with the long term, um, I'm a huge fan uh, just because of my experience. I'm not saying it works for everybody, but psychotherapy and going every week or going to somebody, whether it's a coach or a I don't know, an acupuncturist or something that centers you. And when you connect yourself, even if it's just an hour a week, you will start to see, or I have started to see ripples where um, my bullshit ometer, if you like, or my, um, my focus and my awareness maybe is the word, has grown because I know what healthy or stillness looks like. So I'm able to, through my practices and through being a, uh, the inevitability of gradualization through keep attending things like, for instance, therapy, or I, I don't know what, what other people would perhaps resonate with. I'm able to see what's healthy. And from there, I it almost leaks into my life in, in a great way. It leaks in a, in a way that I I can see when I'm doing things that are self-sabotaging because I've, I've had that hour or whatever it might be. Or it's many years now, actually, that I've been in therapy. But um, I, I'm able to have a greater sense of consciousness of what's serving me and, and what isn't. Um, I hope that makes sense. <laughs> uh, I've never really explained. I've not explained this before, so I do apologize. But um, but that's kind of, you know, uh, I've not explained to people my process before, but that's kind of how it works for me is um, having healthy things in the diary, really. Yeah, it absolutely does make sense. And I wonder if you could talk a little bit more about the therapy aspect of it, because we were talking before we got on about how being able to, talk through thoughts, feelings, emotions, everything that's going on, it cuts out the bullshit factor of what goes on in in our day to day, you know, like chopping up the ego and being able to make sense. It's almost like a filtration system. I wonder if you could explain a bit more about your journey with that. Oh my God, totally agree with you. And also, um, you know, you and I, we, we met and I've been to one of your incredible workshops as, as well as um, admiring you and getting inspired by your Instagram. But you and I are very much in that circle and world that we love of um, mindset, positive psychology, um, meditation, all these kind of things that are there to to basically serve you and center you. But one thing that um, for me is sort of separate, um, or p- perhaps I, I just have a, a sort of uh, a different perspective, but certainly from my experience, psychotherapy is so different to positive psychology, although that has a place for me as well, because um, psychotherapy really um, accepts the shadow. And for me, one thing um, growing up and uh, one thing that I, I would like to put into my music and be a voice for is that all emotions are welcome. And I never really got that until I had years in therapy, which is, you know, jealousy, rage, anger, um, insecurity, fear, shame. That's that's normal. It's, it's just um, how we 
integrate that. It's not about being the light or certainly I, I speak for myself, of course, through this whole podcast, but certainly for me, whenever I've tried to be the sunshine girl or um, the good little girl, which is very much a part of my childhood and stuff, it, it missed a big chunk of me out, which is, you know, of course, I'm partly vulnerable. I'm partly insecure. I'm partly um, envious. I'm partly worried. I'm partly doubtful. I'm, you know, and so on and so forth, all these things. Um, but what what's so beautiful for me, um, as I say, I can only speak from my experience, is working with some on encouraging to incorporate that in a healthy way um, and for me that's why then when I write songs and people say oh you seem really sweet but your song's really dark like particularly with the first and second EP the heart and body and I'm like no 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 you missed the point I'm just using music as a way to express and hopefully inspire people that it's okay to feel like there's a song that was a b-side song but did really well surprisingly called Misfit and it was just about me feeling like I never bloody fitted in or um you know just I was what I would call the popular loner so people liked me but I wasn't really part of a group and um and when I write that song it's not that I am still the misfit or that I can't handle the feelings I can handle all my emotions but what I love about therapy is it teaches me that everything is welcome and then I can put that in my music and not just be one color and not be the girl that just sings sad songs or just happy songs but actually have a bit more of a spectrum and to me as I'm growing up um what's what's healthy uh, more than anything, and, and there's a lot of mental health in my in my family, which is why I started therapy so very young at 21. Is um, I'm starting to see that the main thing above everything in my experience is that you are welcome all emotions because when you do that, uh, no one can get ill, no one can get um, unhealthy. It's when we brush things under the carpet and we feel that we're not acceptable because we're insecure or not acceptable because we're full of rage. That's really when um, issues come, and and it's like a backlog, you know, like a big dam that needs to just uh you know the waters need to break so um that that's kind of you know in a nutshell that's why I like psychotherapy and the second thing is of course resilience so um every day as an artist I get rejection or I get some news that you know isn't ideal as well as great news of course but a, a lot of um you know, ups and downs. And the power of talking about that and how normal it is to feel all the feelings has meant I'm able to stay in the game and also means I'm not scared about the future. I'm not scared about, you know, I've started to get hate mail and it doesn't worry me. Um, it, it just is something for me to breathe through. And that's kind of what therapy's taught me. Darling, this is such wise words. I mean, I'm literally, I'm listening to you and I'm, I, I, I can't, I'm just soaking it all in. And it, I've got so many questions around this because, you know, this is something that is... This is why I also mentor some artists because, you know, it's not for the faint-hearted sister. And it's just, you know, and I'm not just talking about artists. Look, you know, whether you're a businesswoman or whether you do what you do, which is coaching. I mean, it, you're self-employed, you're freelance. Like, it's, it's a bloody nightmare if we let it if we let it be because it's you know we're un it's in the unknown we're self-disciplined it, it, there's just so much going on if you really want life to be crafted by your own hand you know you, and I want life but with that takes so much and that's why emotional health is so important to me yes oh my goodness life to be crafted by your own hands oh my god I'm just literally eating your words and they're just going through my whole soul and going oh it's like a nice walk up of something gorgeous <laughs> women who run with the wolves it's really her that inspires me a lot and she talks about a handmade life and when I read that book I, I had to be changed there was no choice because um creativity to me again what's really important what are my values creativity kindness and connection and creativity for me is is why we're here is to add beauty to the world mm. it really is 
Oh my God, woman, you are just divine. And, and, and talking about, I think it's important that, you know, not just in terms of what we're crafting our own life because we're all crafting our own life aren't we and I really love that way of looking at things is that it is a craft and we are we are in the center of that and we can do that in every way we wish every every way we choose to do that and we can draw that we can paint that with our colors we don't have to be creative in finger waves again of what people expect creativity to be it is just an essence of who we are but the underlying thing that needs to go underneath that is this emotional diversity this emotional resilience and I love what you're saying there about when you're able to feel it all and accept that no feelings are bad what that means is that you can you can choose and you can get to see everything from a broader perspective of, okay, so I'm dealing with something which might be rejection over here. I know what this feels like. And then I know I've got this amazing amount of toolkits of my emotional resilience to go into something else and bring it into this moment when I most need it. You know, if we're, if we're, always running into this oh I've got to be happy I've got to be in the light 100% of the time it puts so much pressure on things doesn't it yeah and every day should be a great day or this is my year and I'm, I'm very much you're talking to someone who's very much of that world and, and values it and I'm also a systems girl so you know there's a part of me that does the post-it notes and likes to be in control and all that but it's not it is, it's okay. And it's got me, it's got me a certain degree of success. Do you know what I mean? Being organized, being on it, being pragmatic, being business-like, but without the emotional stuff, without taking care of that. Yeah. You, you, you're flimsy. You're vulnerable to the ups and downs rather than being resilient to the fact that that's, it's very normal in life to have good and bad news. And that's it. And I think we've totally forgotten that. I think there is a, you know, I'm not going to blame it on and generations that have gone before, but I do think there's been this huge amount of protection because people want you to be happy and that's a beautiful thing. But I do think there's been a huge amount of protection that's gone on and said, okay, so if I protect you from all the knocks and the falls in life, then it means that you're going to be happier later on because, you know, I've, I've sheltered you from things. And actually, what happens when we fall over we get up and we've learned that we've done we've been through a process and maybe we won't do that again or you know life has dealt some shitty blows and but if you don't feel into that like I was talking to a friend at the weekend who like myself has um, lost a parent I've lost both of mine and she's going through her grief at the moment and which you always do I don't think it ever stops but she was saying how um, somebody had said to her because she cries every day as she goes to work, you know, that's her thing. Like she drops her son off, she goes to her workshop, she cries. And somebody said to her, look, you've been crying for six months now. Do you think you should go to a doctor? And she went to the doctor and they said, oh, well, you know, you, maybe you should be prescribed antidepressants. And she said, I don't understand. Why would you stop me feeling? I'm grieving. Why, why is that a bad thing? Absolutely. It's yeah. just, it, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I mean, that riles me completely frank because, again, you see, we're in this numbing world. Just watch the telly, just get on your phone, just take a pill. And I'm, I'm not judging anybody who's on antidepressants who's listening because they really have a path into healing. They, they, they really are, they can oh, be really 100%. helpful. But again, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, but, but also, where, where is this? You know, we're emotional beings. I, I try, I really do. I try and think of things from, you know, um, 
I'm interested in business as well. I read certain books and I really try and look at life from like uh, a structured point of view. So a timetable and getting on it and being certain X, Y, and Z. But actually, if you're feeling in a certain space, there needs to be an allowance for appreciating where you're at rather than treating yourself like a robot. And I do feel a lot like that in this culture. Like I'm summarizing like anything right now, but I do feel it's like, just, just take a pill, just watch the telly, just shut up, you know, just, you know, why are you still crying? And it's like, well, because my parents died, like that's not just something I'm going to stop crying about. Um, and I think the more that we can let and, and stop having shame around tears or shame around depression, I mean, God, it's so normal. If only we could all just stop the stigma, I think we'd be in a healthier society. Oh, I, I agree. And I think that's why what you do in terms of your creativity, i.e. how you express yourself and your emotions through your music and the way that you move your body as well is it's allowing people, it's giving people permission almost, isn't it, to have their own forms of filtrating their emotions and feelings. So music does that, doesn't it? It's the, it's the language of emotion. So the, the fact that a musician is able to express through their body and their creativity what they're going through, which then can resonate with somebody else, go, do you know what, I'm feeling this too. And I'm sure you get this, that people say to you how they feel through listening to your music what it's been able to do for them you know that's a a wonderful gift isn't it that you can hold space for people to do that but just a quick one that you know what Kate the reason I make music really when it is distilled when you're really asking me like heart to heart is to hopefully I just want to help people feel less lonely because that's what I'm trying to really ultimately trying to do is like it's 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 normal that you're not going to feel fantastic all the time or you feel like a misfit or you x y and z and I'm not just talking about the dark things because of course I particularly in this new EP have written happier songs but you take profiteroles it's only going to come out in the papers next week but profiteroles which is the latest um single is about my sister's eating disorder and it's in a very jaunty happy way but every time I tell somebody face to face what that song's really about not only do they listen to it and go oh yeah I get it but they also say oh thank fucks sorry I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on this but thank fuck that someone's actually and um, what you know thank god why isn't anybody else talking about this like of course every sister or brother or you know there's always people we know that have an eating disorder and yet why is there a stigma around that so yeah if there's a way that I can make people feel less lonely or at least feel more connected, then I die a happy lady. And I do get a couple of messages from from people um, over this record and over the years saying that, oh, by the way, you've helped me through X, Y, and Z. And when I get that, I just cry. I'm just like, oh, okay. Yeah, this is this is working out. That's a beautiful gift to be able to give, isn't it? Yeah, I, I hope I get, yeah, I can't, I can't be the one that says whether I do it or not, but I can, I can definitely tell you that's my intention. And yeah, it's, um, I think it's just important. I think there's a lot of things that segregate uh, hierarchy, um, disempower and um, separate, separation is really the word, separate people all the time in culture that if there's something that can unite like music or art, um, then I'm all for it. That, that's, that's really the thing. The more that people cre- can create, whether it's dancing in the kitchen or whether it's professionally, like for me, it's not really about whether you make your creativity it's not about monetizing your creativity or making famous your creativity it's more about what you can do for your soul and then of course the byproduct may be that you end up um monetizing it or looking at it as a, as a career but it must always be remembered why you do what you do whenever i've got funky if you like or fruity around 
you know, success or something not working out or expectations. It's when I've started to think about the perceived audience, uh, the perceived market and what I think they want or need in order for me to get um, success, you know, money or fame or whatever it might be. And so I've had a couple of words with myself over the last three years since doing this professionally and so on, um, just about what, um, why I do this. And whenever I come back to why I do it is, is, is for me first foremost, you know, creative expression. And then secondly, to unite others, um, the outcome, the, how many streams I've got on Spotify or how many followers, uh, just dissolves in terms of importance because that's ego talking. Um, and, and of course we all want to be successful and, and, and rank in the millions and, and so on and so forth. But it, we really have to remind ourselves why we do what we do. And if we do that, we're successful already. We're successful because we're being true to our creative needs and our values, which one of mine is absolutely 100% creativity. I think it's so important for people who might be listening to this because obviously I work with a lot of people who may be a, a little bit too afraid to start because, you know, you put yourself... Our darling friend Lucy, who's a comparison coach, you know, this is the stuff that is her very much her arena in terms of how we compare ourselves to others. And sometimes we can stop at anything before it starts because we look at other people and we we say, well, how can we do the same that they're doing how can we match what they're doing and that can stop us before we start and I'm really interested to understand a little bit more about how you started because you didn't start singing until the age of 25 so what was it that invited you in to be able to create yourself through your music and what advice would you give to people who maybe have a dream that they're just a bit too afraid to start on oh gosh I mean um it's a great question and I'm pleased you asked this because I hope it will, for, for people listening and who are perhaps um, fearful or have an idea that they need to be ready, you know, this whole concept of being ready. I think that's more a mindset and more a confidence thing than it is um, physically. So just to give you um, an example, I, I didn't start till 25. I trained as an actor. I always, since the age of seven, uh, my parents got divorced at seven. So I, I found acting classes as a way to help myself deal with the uh, the pain, the emotion and the, the the changes or the turmoil and stuff that was going on at age seven. And I, I found myself quite good at sort of reciting poems and um, doing these things called lambda exams and uh, public speaking and, and, and things like that and really loved the idea of... Um, speaking, being seen, but also just a place to put my emotions. So that's really just what I did. And it wasn't really a conscious decision. It was just that uh, Hattie, which was my nickname as a child, Hattie is going to be an actress and that's how it's going to be. Um, but I, I graduated from drama school. I was, I was lucky enough to get in. I trained at a really good um, conservatoire. I finished that at 20, I don't know, two or three. And uh, and then um, I went back to Soho, which is funny enough where, where I grew up. I can tell you a little bit more about about Soho afterwards, but um, I went back to this uh, famous bar called Blacks, which was an infamous uh, members club, just like the Groucho or Soho House, but it's a one-off uh, townhouse, kind of like Dickens's old house with candlelight and and fireplaces, and all very magical and and also weird, um, but 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 delightful in that it had um, and still and still does actually just very sort of famous famous members, whether it's um, you know movie stars like Jude Law or Keira Knightley, or whether it's more infamous people like playwrights like Simon Steve or um, the, the, the filmmaker Mike Lee, you know, you kind of get all sorts of people there. Um, but but I went back there and although it's a lovely bar and it, it served me many years and I, and I still 
lots of wonderful people um, from that place. I went back there because I had a gap year before drama school and was like, oh my God, I'm back. I'm back here and, and I've got no work and I'm thousands in debt. And although I have all this drama training, you know, Jesus, I'm back in a bar. And, and then realized that's what actresses do. But I, you know, I was, yeah, just a bit disillusioned because it, it, it didn't go how I, I wasn't in LA instantly, you know, in Hollywood. Anyway, so um, somebody, I'd always been a bit jealous of singers, if I'm honest, if I look back, but I didn't really, it wasn't even a thing that I could sing. It was, my brothers and sisters always told me you don't have a good voice, Hattie. So, um, you know, it, not blaming it on them, but, you know, it was just, I was really annoying singing in, in the house. And there's six of us, six siblings. So, you know, they were just like, shut up. And then um, whenever I sung in drama school, it, it didn't go well. I didn't get any musical theatre parts. So I just thought, well, I don't have a good voice. So anyway, but I'm in this bar and somebody goes, Look, Adam and the aunt are performing. Um, you know, you, um, Harriet is my real name. Starling is my stage name. You, Harriet, are one of the Sohoites, so you should perform. Um, you know, next week. And I said, "What do you mean I should perform? Is it an acting? Like, what, like I'm an actress? What do you What do you mean? Like, no, you got to sing." I like, "Well, I don't sing." And they're like, "Okay." And I was like, "So why are you asking me that?" They're like, "I thought it would just be fun for you to sing." So I said, "No." And I went to bed that night, and uh, quite literally, it's, it's kind of interesting. And I was at the stage. Um, in my therapy of analyzing the dreams, you know, like you do with Carl Jung and all the Jungian stuff. And uh, I had a dream that I sung and I sung around the fire, one of which was was in Blacks and people really liked it. Anyway, so the next day I went in and I said to the guy, um, yeah, so when is it? Because I'm going to do it. <laughs> and he was like, okay. I was like, when is it? What do I need to do? Da, da, da. So I set up my own set, which was covers of um, Joni Mitchell, Bill Withers, all my favorite kind of people. And I got my friend to play the ukulele and I sung and it was it was so scary and I was very bright red. I blush anyway, but I was definitely the color of a beetroot. But I, my voice didn't shake. And I'd always thought my voice would shake because I'd always been quite, kind of a little bit nervous anyway um, as a performer, as an actress, but also a little bit of a nervous person. But I thought, well, um, you know, the, the music, the singing won't go well because my voice will shake under pressure. But it didn't shake. Um, it, I sung... I sung well, and uh, funnily enough, there was a guy in the audience, um, Zero Seven. I don't know if you remember those guys. They work with Sia in, so they produced they produced my record and, and Massive Attack and various people. But it was because they were in the audience and they stopped me. And um, a long story short, basically, I wrote a song with Zero Seven that got me signed to um, Communion, part of Island Records, and um, my whole career was started within within six months of, of that show. So, um, what what happens when you are stepping out of your comfort zone? I know it's a cliche to say this, but magic does happen you just have to get used to being uncomfortable and uncomfortable isn't comfortable hence it's uncomfortable but if you can get a bit more I guess um kind with yourself that you're you're going to do this you know fears fears in the car but it's not the driver you're the driver and it can be the passenger and be with you and fear is normal but you don't let it drive the car you 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 do what you need to do because you're you're only having this one life, you know, this is, this is very precious. This is not a practice and you will die. That is one, one thing we can all be sure of. So in that case, taking risks is really, is really the thing. So by doing that and then by being seen by zero seven, I then learned how to write songs on the job. So back to your question about, you know, like um, you said something about, you know, whether you have the skills or the comparison, like Lucy, the comparison coach talks about, that completely resonates with me because I thought, well, I've never, I can't play a guitar. I've never written a song. I haven't sung in public before. Every time I have sung around friends, they said it was bad or, you know, I just 
you know, whatever. It didn't really go so well. And then now I have these opportunities with these wonderful producers, incredibly talented, incredibly successful, and they're interested in me. Like what? Um, and and from there, I just kept. You know, there was there was obviously more um, barriers and issues for me to work through. But just and even now, by the way, even though I'm I'm more established, it's still it's still so much for me that I have to work through emotionally. But by doing that, by being brave, by being seen. And by then I moved into a squat as well because I, I didn't want to spend all my money on rent and yet I wanted to leave the bar. So um, I lived with no hot water or heating for two years as well. What I did what I raised money and, and lived as an artist. So I, I did take risks and I encourage risks and I encourage things that some people might say are crazy. Um, I couldn't read music. I've never played a guitar. Well, I do now. Never had a singing lesson and I'd never sung in public. So why do you think, Harriet, that you could then be starling a singer? Um, really, it, it doesn't make sense. Uh, the head is going, what the hell? It's not logical. But the heart was saying, definitely do this. Um, and that's really in a nutshell how it all how it all began. Do you know what? I'm not even going to surmise I am going to leave that as the journey just allow the listeners to take everything that they needed to from that story because there's just so many gems in there and it's about being ready Kate with you deciding there is no plan b you deciding you're going to be this incredible practical magic coach inspiring women and men and and crafting their handmade lives it's about me deciding I'm a singer and yeah now I have training and yeah I you know of course I can I can um, play a guitar and all sorts of things, but it's not really about what I can't do. It's about what I can hone in on what I can do and, and believing in, in that and keeping going no matter what. Um, and, and yeah, if that, I hope that it will inspire some people who have these ideas that they need to be at a certain level before they can launch themselves, because that isn't really always true. You may not have the plan and that's okay. You can have a vision, you can have a feeling, you can have a hope and a wish and do not let anything that you don't think you can do stand in your way because the road will rise up to meet you. It's about believing and trusting and surrendering and, and also embracing, as you said right back at the beginning, embracing the unknown and letting that be the delicious journey that you can go on. Yes. Oh, you're so right. And letting the road rise up to you is, is so beautiful and, and perfect. And just to finish... I've been learning a lot about faith recently, which obviously means belief without proof. And I'm not um, religious or um, anything of a specific um, sect or anything, but I am sort of spiritual and that I believe in um, that you know the universe kind of as, a, as an idea and as a force and as an energy. And really, I feel um, faith is all that you really need for the dream that you're trying to create. So faith is that even if you're going towards, you're driving towards the, the the job interview that you've wanted and worked years for and your car breaks down, it's having faith that no matter what, it will still work out. And by believing that, you'll be quite surprised what you attract. So um, yeah, it's what I'm working on with myself, just trusting myself and the world, the universe. And I and I, and I want to pass that to others that that faith is just about trusting and and yeah trusting yourself and trusting the world that it that it will work out divine woman you have been such an inspiration in this podcast today oh my goodness i i just i'm i'm, I'm just having to remind myself that i'm actually recording this because i'm like i'm just listening i'm just listening and absorbing it all in there is such magic in this conversation today so i just wanted to say thank you so much for joining us on the podcast and if there's any, um, where can we find you and what's coming up next? 
Oh, great one. Yes. Um, Starlings World. So S-T-A-R-L-I-N-G-S World is my Instagram handle. And I have uh, Facebook and Twitter, but I'm more an Instagram kind of visual girl. Um, also on YouTube, you can type in Starlings World and I have a Vivo channel, channel and stuff like that. I have a headline show actually on the 26th of September in London. Um, I th- yes, I've just bought my tickets. I'm so excited. Oh, amazing. Yeah, because I think there's still tickets for it. Um, it's it's somewhere, I think it's so Newington, but it's in London anyway, and it's um, middle of September. So that's coming up. But next week, I'm making a music video for the new single, um, which is You. And You is uh, it's also being remixed by some incredible um, DJ. I can't wait to share that with you. On the 17th of August, it will be on the, on the radio and uh, online to stream and download. So... The next single, Watch the Space, is out in a couple of weeks. Amazing, darling. Well, I'm going to put the links up in the, the show notes. So those will be available for anybody listening as well. And again, just thank you so much for being on the Practical Magic podcast today. You are a light. You are shade. You are all of those words that you we introduced you to today and so many more gorgeous ones. Oh, thank you so much for, for inviting me on this special show. Thank you so much. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Practical Magic podcast today with myself and my wonderful guest, Harriet Starling. If you've enjoyed the show, please do go over to iTunes if this is what you're listening to and give us a rate and review and subscribe because I'll be here every week, either myself or with a guest. And just to let you know of something special I've got coming up on the Isle of Wight, which is on the 21st to the 24th of September, it's the Practical Magic weekend is going to be such a a blissful weekend of mm, soul nourishing yoga nidra koya sound bath food forest bathing just everything that you need for relaxation and coming back to yourself so you can head over to my website www.katetaylor.co go to the speakings and event page and you will find all the details there and also to let you know that i have in my hands the practical magic activation deck it's finally arrived back from the printers everything's gone off to those who backed via the kickstarter but you can get your hands on a deck if you head to www.practicalmagicliving.com and so until next week see you soon